this is our first episode and I'm joined here today by Carissa J. Adams and we're talking about consent. So starting out on a really light hearted topic yeah. and something that um, <laughs> I'm sure we can all relate to, but uh, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, can you start by just talking a little bit about yourself and what you do and how you came to be here on this podcast? <laughs> sure. Uh, so a little bit about me. Um, I am an actor. I grew up in Seattle, Washington, and then moved to Madrid, Spain with my parents when I was 16, graduated from high school there as a missionary kid, and then moved back to Seattle to study theater at Seattle Pacific University. Uh, shortly after that, moved to Prague, Czech Republic, just to be in Europe again and experience something new. And I taught English there and did some English speaking theater there and met my husband there. And then moved back to Seattle. Seattle's a common theme. And then um, Michael and I got married a couple years later. That's another story. And then two, almost two years ago, uh, moved down here to LA. So part of the reason why I'm here is the connection of Michael, Malin and Michael mm-hmm. went to college together. I am also here, obviously, because of consent, and that's something that I have become more passionate about just because of my own personal experiences and things that I see uh, posted about consent, both both in the quote-unquote secular culture as well as Christian culture Um, and I think that it's something that we really need to talk about uh, something that hasn't really been talked about in the Christian culture and and obviously is emerging in everywhere across the board but is something that because of certain aspects of Christian culture is an issue and is um slightly different than than outside of the Christian culture um, and something that I really want to discuss and mm-hmm. and have help people have a better understanding but even I say that not as an expert but as just someone that's really passionate about it and wants to I want to have a conversation about it and keep having the conversation so mm-hmm. that we can all learn and be more aware I, I think that's that's true that it's I feel like it's something that we don't talk about enough mm-hmm. and I know for me personally when I I think one of the things that first started when I was like thinking about wanting to do a podcast was like I would like listen to podcasts that talked about um kind of the intersection of religion mm-hmm. and and sexuality or religion and um, relationships that kind of thing and it just it's like I couldn't get enough. I'm like, just why? Why is this podcast only an hour long? Like, I want to, I want to yeah. hear people talking about this because these are things that I've never heard people talk about. Yeah, especially in any kind of um, like Christian context or religious context. Yeah, and there are so many questions and things that I just, I wish we would bring up. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if it's because of the taboo nature of talking about sex or. Mm-hmm people's uncomfortable feelings surrounding the subject or I mean it 
it's multi-layered because there's the the uh, Christian or biblical perceptions of what sex should be and how that's laid out and your relationship with that. But there's also layered with that each mm-hmm. person's personal experience with sex, which right. they may or may not want to talk about, mm-hmm. usually don't want to talk about whether that's because of guilt or shame or or be just being really private. Um, there's, yeah, I think a lot of reasons why we don't mm-hmm. talk about it. Can you talk about your background, any experiences that just informed your view of consent when as like a younger kid or as a teen? Do you have any experiences or, or just belief systems that you encounter that really inform that? Yeah. I I really think that I didn't even understand or know the concept (laughs) until very recently. I mean, obviously the word consent has been a word itself for a very long time, but it's not a concept that we've like talked about, or at least that I uh, heard talked about until very recently. So growing up, when I think about the types of things that would have informed that, it it was more just an absence of it. Mm -hmm. And coupled with an idea that other people's comfort was more important than my own. um, And that's the like, kind of the sacrificial like I'm going to sacrifice myself for the better of another human being um but that gets tricky you know and and that that obviously as a kid was not in relationship to sex like but that was a just a pattern of learning like well don't think about yourself think about other people don't Mm -hmm. think about what um you want or need like what other people want or need is more important the other part of that is just sex being when we did talk about sex it was we'll save that for marriage and it's gonna be awesome when it's when you're married <laughs> like that was yeah broadly like the the main thing and so up until marriage like no 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 say mm-hmm. no say no say no um so I guess that is an aspect of consent, like you're saying no, like yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but but if it's not for your own reasons, like that, that too gets complicated. Like mm-hmm. if it's just because you're supposed to say no, like at what point do you say no? Like, well, is kissing okay? Well, mm-hmm. is touching okay? Like touching where? Like mm-hmm. if you don't know what the line is, but you also haven't been accustomed to listening to your own inner voice of like what you want and what you like and don't like in mundane things let alone Mm -hmm. in sexual things then you don't you don't know like you don't know where that line is and that can get messy and and complicated and I don't think that it was really until the last couple years like mind you this is a few years into marriage that I really understood consent like Mm -hmm oh, this is what consent (laughs) means, you know? This is what this feels like. Yeah. Do you feel like 
sense the shift happening or was it just the process or did you, I mean, I, I don't like, I'm not saying like, did you have an epiphany, but <laughs> did you have right, a moment right. of like, wait a minute, like this is, this is important. Um, so, I mean, it, for sure it was gradual. Um, at least some of it was gradual, just figuring out what I wanted and, and, but there was actually, I, I think more specific point where I kind of had an aha moment of, I, I remember there was a point with my husband where he said, I wish that you were more confident. And this was specifically sexually. And I, at first being really insecure and like, I took that to mean like, that's a quality that I don't have. Mm. I'm not confident and it's not something that I can change. I can't, I can't be more confident. And then I just didn't know what to do and felt stuck and, and, um, like, where's, I don't know what to do. (laughs) So through processing and, and talking with a friend, like I realized that's not what he meant. Like he, he didn't mean, you know, that's not a quality that you have. It's his expressing his desire for me to fully embrace who I am, fully embrace my own sexuality and be confident in, in that, be confident in what I like, be confident in what I don't like and enjoy myself. And I really think that that changed a lot for me because I think up until that point, it had been more focused on, well, I want him to be happy. I want him to have a great time. I want him to think that I'm the, you know, the hottest, the sexiest. Um, but it was all focused on pleasing him, and then it, it wasn't mutual enjoyment. Then once I realized, like, oh, I can, I can say, like, I'm not in the mood. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, okay, like, all right, we'll just move on and... <laughs> You know, the next time it comes up, like... No one died. Yeah, yeah, no one died. Like, he's okay. I'm okay. Um, And that goes both ways. Like, not, you know, not just me not being in the mood. Like, I had this idea that, like, once you're married, like, it's, you know, sexy time all the time. You know? Like... Well, yeah, I mean, isn't that what it is? I've been really um, looking forward to that. You just, like, totally burst my bubble. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, Yeah, I just had this idea, like, well, it's, you know, as soon as the clothes come off, like, sex is going to happen, like, right there, you know? Um, And it, like, it's it's not that way. It's so, it's both more complicated and... A lot more simple at the same time if that mm. if that makes sense but it all boils down to just listening to yourself and listening to your partner and not getting caught up in the like I have to be the super hot sexy wife I keep saying that but that like really I felt like that was a theme yeah. and and kind of mm. expected um, that's something I wanted to to talk about definitely yeah. like how that happens or how Christian or church culture kind of perpetuates that ideal. Yeah. And I don't think that it's every church, but there (laughs) seems to be a tendency when sex is talked about, one, for it to be from the male perspective, Mm -hmm. male pastor speaking up on the pulpit, two, for it to be talked about 
obviously from his perspective of I've got this sexy hot <laughs> wife and it perpetuates the, that idea that 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 is the standard this is you know what every man should want or this is what um every woman should want to be yeah exactly and then yes sometimes sex is, is talked about in like women's groups or or like your bible study or like you know a, a mentor but that just because of the nature of where those conversations are taking place, the man's view, the pastor being the lead head pastor, his view supersedes whatever these conversations you're having in your are that you're having in your Bible study or your, you know, between you and your mentor. And along with that, I think is is the, you know, man is the leader, woman is the partner she responds to him leading basically yes like in every area of life yeah in every area in (laughs) every area so in sex that translates to the man initiates and the woman responds Mm -hmm. dutifully (laughs) and one of the articles that really got me so angry was a woman posting about how she, I think maybe it was a letter that she had written to uh, this pastor, I think, saying, I really don't want to be having sex with, with my husband, but he tells me that it's my duty. Mm-hmm. And now I, I mean, she was essentially getting raped. Mm-hmm. And it was painful. It was she was in fear and resenting him and this pastor said no this is your godly duty to submit to your husband and fulfill him sexually mm-hmm. because if he doesn't get fulfilled by you then he will go elsewhere right and then that then, and then he's it's, it's your fault that yeah. he, <laughs> then he cheated on you and yeah god is unhappy and you know yeah you basically like led him into sin yeah yeah and i mean i i don't think that you know christians across the board would support this view right but it is a strongly held view by some christians that Mm -hmm. that is that is your duty and i cannot believe that that would be what god would want that that could be biblical or christian or any of those things that that marital rape will be Mm -hmm. accepted and your duty as a wife. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I've definitely heard the, like, look, once you get married, you never say no. You, you never, I guess I'm speaking from both sides mm-hmm. really that you never say no as a husband you never say no as a wife, mm-hmm. but it seems like that message is normally directed toward women because mm-hmm. the assumption is that men want sex more. And so you need to, like you were saying, fulfill his needs. And so mm-hmm. that means like, don't say no, like always mm-hmm. say yes. And it just seems like if you can't, if you can't say no, then the yes doesn't really mean anything because exactly. it's, it's not even an option. And I yeah. mean, I know that technically, yes, it is an option, but if, if you're telling people that God expects you to say yes, and that's his expectation, I feel like that's a huge burden that you're placing mm-hmm. on women to always, always say yes. I will say no. I will say no. No, no, no. I will say no.
it takes the the joy out of the experience and it I mean, makes it a chore. I mean, honestly, like mm-hmm. a chore, but it can go beyond that. I mean, depending how, on how respectful your partner is to resentment. And I don't believe that that's what sex should be within a relationship, that sex should be enjoyable for both parties and that it, I mean, that's what it's meant to be, and that the way that's the way that it is most enjoyable. Um, if your partner isn't responding, I can't <laughs> imagine. Like to me, that's not enjoyable. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, um, yeah. But for for both parties, like the that expectation, I just I think would lead to a, a fractured relationship. Yeah. That that if you can't choose then there isn't freedom within the relationship Mm -hmm. and there isn't respect mutual respect Mm -hmm. and like why would anyone want why would anyone want that kind of relationship why would you I mean why would you want to be in a relationship with someone that you didn't respect or that you didn't trust I mean trust is a huge huge part of that I would Mm -hmm. stop trusting that the other person had my best interest in mind and that's one of the fundamentals of marriage is to right lift this other person up and mm-hmm. and support them and be loving and caring and try to do what you can to to make sure that you're both reaching your full potential and well I think one of the things that at least for me got me started on the consent track yeah was, it wasn't even it wasn't even really about sex. It was just my experiences dating mm-hmm. and dating guys who didn't seem to really see me as a full person yeah, and yeah. sort of, you know, in a physical sense and also just in like a sense of being someone who has a choice to say yes or no. Like one time this, there was this guy that we had gone on like one really disastrous non-date date. Uh-huh. Uh, it was, it was just terrible. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, like at the very beginning, he was at the very. We had like just sat down, and he was like, he called the waiter over. Was like, just to be clear, like we're on separate checks. And I was like, okay, what? <laughs> um, I mean, I wasn't expecting him to pay for me, but it was right. still sort of this weird gesture of like, by the way, this is not a date. I'm not paying for you. But anyway, <laughs> but we've been on this one disastrous non-date date. But then, a co- you know, months later, he decides that you know he's going to ask me out again, mm-hmm. and. Uh, he ended up giving me a ride home from an event that we bo- were both at. And he basically just like pulled up in front of my apartment and kind of like cornered me and was like, you know, go out with me. And I'm like, no. And it, he, it's like he didn't take no for an answer. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'd like someone else. And he's, you know, still persisted. And, and there was just that feeling of like, I don't know, it just almost like coercion. Like, yeah, like you need to say yes to me. Like I'm entitled to go out with you. You haven't given me a chance. Like if you would just give me a chance, if you would just go out with me, then I would see like what an amazing guy I am. Uh And I don't know, just that, I mean, it's so simple. Just that respecting someone's no. Yeah. Just on the level of just asking them out on a date. And I don't know. Yeah. I think about experiences like that where it just seems like I'm not a full person. You know, I'm not allowed to say no yeah. almost. And I, I just, I feel like consent is so important just across the board, even in dating. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think too, like that makes me think of the way that we think of a girlfriend 
a wife in the more of a I need that <laughs> and substituting <laughs> that or like putting that on someone yeah saying you're gonna fulfill this yeah. I have this idea you fit my ideal of what right. the person I'm gonna marry is gonna be like right and it doesn't matter that you don't agree <laughs> you don't like me <laughs> You're not attracted to me now, but um, <laughs> you just wait. Will be. Uh, no, yeah, I think yeah. One, we've talked about this before. That, that kind of relates to the objectification of women in, in the sense of in the quote unquote secular world. That looks like women, uh, you know, in bikinis on calendars, you know, and that's what people say like oh that's objectification within the church that's you know what you see on the outside but within the church there's its own objectification of well I need a wife I need someone who's gonna support me Mm -hmm. in this I need a a girlfriend I need um someone who's gonna have my babies (laughs) like like to get really like you you I choose you (laughs) yeah you were gonna be the one yeah and I I met those guys like within the church who like have this almost like like God told me like you're gonna be it and it doesn't matter that you don't agree (laughs) like literally like to almost to the point of insanity of like you gotta stop like this mm-hmm. is not happening mm-hmm. and I don't know if they're just using God as, as an excuse for their own single mindedness of um, their <laughs> which came goal. first the God or the delusion yes. <laughs> oh gosh now we're getting deep but yeah this idea that you know I have to I have to accomplish this and that goes along with the like the Christian ideal of marriage like marriage in the christian culture Mm -hmm. which i don't think is necessarily biblical is like held up to this like standard of like this ideal of you have to have this this great christian marriage and i i don't know exactly how we got there (laughs) like that that isn't the ideal life is life whether you're married or not and with that ideal of Christian marriage, I think has come along this idea of like, well, I have to find that person. And so you separate right. this, like, I have to have this thing from the actual person. The actual person, yeah, who has their own needs, desires, wants, history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And rather than just thinking, well, I'm, you know, if that person comes along that is right for me or we're right for each other or we just really like being together, like, then we'll get married. Instead of that, it becomes this, like, well, I have to get married to have this ideal Christian life. Yeah, I think, I feel like I've definitely experienced that dynamic that you're talking about. And I just wanted to mention, too, that I, th- I feel like I've seen it play out, play out in the opposite gendered way as well, where women, um, or I guess teenage girls, have mm-hmm. a very specific idea about marriage. Especially women are told, I think women more than, almost more than men are told that marriage is like this thing that they need to aspire to. Yeah. And uh, it's sort of the pinnacle of mm-hmm. being a Christian woman is mm-hmm. being a wife and being a mom. Not to say that, of course, people have those desires and they're yeah. legitimate and valid. But I definitely feel like I've seen 
and I, I've probably done this too. It's like, oh, you're a guy. You're a Christian. You're cute. <laughs> of course you're the one. Right? Like, totally. hey, like totally. we should date. And then, and then almost this feeling or this, this anger that comes yeah. when it's like, it doesn't happen or he's not into me or he asked someone else out. And there's yeah. this, this sense of entitlement or the sense of like, but you know, I'm a good Christian. Like I did all the right things. I'm saving sex for marriage, whatever that is, in the yeah. sense of, like, I deserve a Christian husband or a Christian wife. And yeah. and that tendency to project that onto, like, the nearest attractive member of the opposite <laughs> sex. Yeah. And the pool can be very small. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it turns out, like, ten of your friends are also projecting onto the same <laughs> exact person. Yeah. And then suddenly it's like... I don't know, kicking into yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. what happens in that sense, but totally. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't. I I wouldn't say. I, it's not like I would say that Christians are more likely to objectify others. No, yeah. no, and I I don't think that that's the case. I think the objectification just looks different. Mm-hmm. And whereas, like within Christian culture, there there's the thought that we should treat people better. That we should love people, mm-hmm. you know, and that we should yeah. be better at loving people. And I think just in in Christian culture, there's sp- certain things that work against that. Like I said, the objectification just looks different than it does outside. As well as like, going back to consent, like I had a, a friend say, like, I don't think that it's worse within Christian culture I would just expect it to be better and it's like well the issue isn't really whether it's worse or better it's different and consent I believe is an issue within the Christian church because of uh, being told to obey that one being you know submit to authority going back to male leadership having someone who is above you who knows better Mm-hmm. than you mm-hmm. so you're not taught really to think for yourself or only in a certain context <laughs> or only in this you don't think outside these boundaries yes like, it's okay to think for yourself but like don't step outside of that right mm-hmm. it doesn't lend itself to mutual respect for someone differing in opinion or differing mm-hmm. in in um who they are and what they think mm-hmm. and often it doesn't really lend itself to to just listening in general <laughs> like it it reinforces this there is this ultimate truth and you have to know this ultimate truth right so you know that trickles down to mm-hmm. sex and relationships mm-hmm. and you know this is this is the truth i need a wife <laughs> this is the one right way to do sex <laughs> yeah yeah and it doesn't it it doesn't have that, you know, give and take. But I think that give and take is actually in the Bible. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Like, mm-hmm. it's right there. Mm-hmm. Like, it can't, like, consent can't get simpler than that. Mm-hmm. Like, be respectful to the person that you were with just as you respect yourself. And, and mm-hmm. I mean, that's in there too. Respecting yourself. It, it, isn't, it isn't just at all costs sacrifice everything and and I think that gets confusing because we we in Christian faith we have the ultimate sacrifice so people confuse that 
ultimate sacrifice with what I should do with my own self and how I should act and that I should be ultimately sacrificial. But I don't believe that 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 translates, Christ's sacrifice translates to our own actions. Yeah, it says that God doesn't ask us to make that sacrifice because he already made it yeah so that we wouldn't have to yeah and but yeah i think you're right i think there's almost a a type of masochism inherent in christianity where it's like the more i sacrifice the better Mm -hmm. the more i give up of myself the more i gain i mean it's very i guess that sense biblical but that can become i don't know yeah i feel like it can become really unhealthy Mm -hmm. and for me a lot of times i've confused this sense of of shame, of just mm-hmm. innate badness. And mm-hmm. I've confused that with with this sort of almost like Christian, like losing myself. And, yeah. and I feel like it can be difficult to tell the difference sometimes yeah. if you're if you're not aware, if you don't have that, I don't know, any way to sort of tell the difference. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, I feel like nothing. And, yeah. and, and being like, wait a minute, like that's actually not like a great thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's not like a super Christian thing to feel <laughs> necessarily. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's, yeah, it's hard. I, I think part of it comes from being told what is right and wrong and what you should feel bad about that comes from the outside and not from the inside. And so, you know, I can think of instances for myself where it wasn't that I actually felt bad about something. It was that I was told to feel bad about it. So then I felt bad. But that became confusing when there's instances where you you don't know if you should feel bad. You're like, <laughs> like wait a minute, I don't start, feel guilty about this. Right. What is going on? Yeah, and then essentially you start like not trusting your own instincts and your mm-hmm. own feelings about, mm-hmm. about things. And so then... Then it becomes, once you don't trust yourself, then you don't know why you feel bad, whether that's coming from a true and honest place or something that's been put on you. So then I, I think naturally you just want to not feel those things and like yeah. start not feeling, yeah. um, which is not healthy and confusing and all of those things. I think when I started paying more attention to my own instincts and my own feelings that things got simpler and clearer and and that wasn't ignoring truth that came from the bible or from friends or leaders you know it was pairing that truth that I found within myself with the truth that I found in the bible and mm-hmm. you know from other people yeah and I think that's really important to get there but also for Christian culture to honor that the process yeah yeah and and maybe in certain denominations that's more prevalent you know listening to the holy spirit you know certain denominations are are more inclined to you know listen to what the holy spirit is telling you and what you the holy spirit tells you may be different than what the holy spirit tells me but other denominations are so focused on this is the truth across the board nothing can I'm not welcoming to anything new. I'm not welcoming to anything that might be different from this, you know, thing, you know, pounding on the Bible, (laughs) like, that I know to be true. 
and even that is only interpreted through my lens and my experience and what has been taught to me with my personal faith journey. I want to be able to read the Bible with fresh eyes from having been taught how to view it my whole life and I want to be open to a different interpretation and then open to the Holy Spirit speaking to me and not reading it with, well, this is what this means. This is what this means. This is what this means. Right. <laughs> Being told to me from a guy in the pulpit. I wanted to say that I totally relate to that and that it is, I feel like, a journey and a process and that it can be extremely painful mm-hmm. from personal experience, but it's almost like there's this force inside of you that is like struggling to get out and Mm -hmm. is like screaming like literally sometimes in screaming in pain Mm -hmm. where it's like you know it just demanding a voice and demanding to be heard and and yeah sometimes that's what it takes to really to break out of that and say like no you like I I don't know it just almost feels like just becoming human and just like I'm a person and I have independent thoughts and desires and needs and and maybe those contradict what I was taught as a kid and maybe my friends disagree with me maybe Mm -hmm. I'm going to do something outside of what I have believed in the past but it's like that's okay and that's part of growth and part of growing up and I wouldn't say it's easy (laughs) yeah not at all yeah Uh, but like you're saying like it does get better it does help and you become more awake to the good and the bad yeah not just not just all negative (laughs) yeah no no it's not it's not all negative um and Uh, especially having people around you who encourage that and encourage that um listening to your own voice and I mean I really have to say that it was Michael my husband who really encouraged me to listen to my own voice and mm-hmm. you know in all aspects of who I am and accepted me and embraced me the more that I discover and the more that I embrace who I am and I'm I feel very fortunate that that's the case I have friends that that has not necessarily been the case that either their partner is not that supportive or as you start discovering who you actually are that differs from what, what your partner expected. Ex- yeah. <laughs> this is not what I signed up for. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't say anything about this on the box when I was <laughs> at Costco. Um, yeah. And some people figure that out and they adapt and they, yeah. you know, and but some people don't. Maybe I'll tell you all the things I cannot say. Maybe you know each one of them anyway. Tell me how long we circle aimlessly in need. Maybe you say this is the way love has to be. When I think about consent in the context of marriage, too, is that I, I worry that, you know, some of the guys that I've dated and they're going to marry someone, if, you know, when, if that person that they, that they marry says no, you yeah. know, maybe it's like, no, I don't want to eat in and out today. You know, like, I don't know what it could be about anything or just yeah. they contradict whatever that person's view of them is. Like, no, you're not supposed to be that. You're supposed to be my supportive wife, mm-hmm. my partner. You know, what will happen? You know, yeah. what, how will they respond? Because I don't know. Yeah. Just like someone not taking no for an answer, I feel like is a huge 
red flag in any kind of relationship. Yeah. And I don't mean to, like, project out to, like, terrible, terrible things, but it's just, I don't know, like, any kind of, any type of relationship where you have to suppress yourself is, is not a healthy one. And I mean, it could be marriage, it could be a friendship, it could be anything, really. Yeah. That makes me think of a few years ago, Michael and I were going to a church. The idea of the woman staying at home, being a mom, was very prevalent and, and pretty, pretty expected of, of most everyone in the church. Not demanded, but you know, it, it's one of those ideas that you're like, well, everybody else lives their lives this way. And, um, but I mean, there were some people who, you know, saw us and saw me pursuing acting and they're like, okay, that's cool. That's great. But one couple specifically approached Michael and was like, well, when are you going to get you know, that nine to five job that's going to pay all your bills and, you know, buy a house one day so that your wife can stay home and have kids. <laughs> and like, he didn't even ask if that's what I wanted. Or he didn't even ask if like, that's what Michael wanted. Like, and that's not what either of us want. Like our, our relationship is, you know, gone back and forth as far as who's the breadwinner or you know, whatever that, that's a weird phrase, but anyway, <laughs> and we both have things that we're passionate about and neither of us have ever wanted to have that nine to five job that gets us a house so that we can have kids and like that prescribed <laughs> life, like, yeah. and, but that didn't matter to this guy. Like this yeah. guy was like, no, this is what you, you got to make a plan mm-hmm. and you got to, you know, to be a man, like in the head of your household, like you got to do this. And it was yeah. like, Michael came home and we both were just bewildered. <laughs> like, what? I think there also was an aspect of that conversation where they were talking about if I worked and Michael was taking care of the kids, we don't have kids, by the way, but in, you know, potentially in the future, that him going to the park with kids and being surrounded by women with kids was going to be a temptation for him. I was like, what? There's nothing sexier than a mom at the playground. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I don't know. Like, that's... that's uh, oh, I mean, is it like, yeah. conversely, if you were like, you know, a successful actor, and you're around a lot of men, yeah. and oh no, oh, <laughs> oh no, no, the temptation is the too temptation. strong. temptation. <laughs> ah, I don't... I don't get that. Like, have the friends that that you're going to have, you mm-hmm. know? And have the friends that are most beneficial for you and for your relationship. Whether that's male or female or, mm-hmm. like, wherever you f- find them. Like, there there isn't this black and white of, well, having female friendships is bad and having male friendships is bad. You just have to honor each other and be respectful of each other and, you know, don't hide anything from each other. Like that, I mean, the basics of a good relationship. (laughs) Well, coming from, I guess, more of us, a single person's point of view, Mm -hmm. but I think I find really challenging sometimes in Christian settings is having those friendships with the opposite sex because there's this perception that you're so other you're so yeah. different that, I mean, I can't even relate to you as a friend. And why would I want to unless, you know, you're my future husband, my future yeah. wife. And so that just increases the separation and, and the difficulty of seeing that person as like a person, like a full right. person, you know, because to be friends with someone, I feel like you do have to like acknowledge their humanity yeah. and, and be like, oh, you have interests and you have likes and you have dislikes and just like simple basic things. But 
there's such a ch- separation, I feel like, yeah. between the sexes where it's too dangerous, maybe, yeah. to have an opposite sex friend that you're not married to. Yeah. And and that maybe that fear of sexuality as well, right. the fear of, of sex, and it just becomes hard to have friendships, right. and, and I feel like that can inhibit the aspect of consent where it's like you, you see them as a separate person and you see them as a different person and also you don't project onto them. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about this too, about how we've separated sex from the person. And I think this is true across the board, not necessarily just Christian, but like the this idea of getting laid and your first <laughs> kiss and like all those things. Like uh, it's so... Like the person so, doesn't even matter. <laughs> yeah, the person doesn't matter. It's this like this thing and we've separated it from the person rather than sex is something is an action that you engage in with a person right and yeah and so acknowledging that person and right. I mean I think clearly from recent news and and all of that we can acknowledge that that's that's an issue mm-hmm. getting you know this this idea of like just sex and touching is one thing I apart get sex from, from you yeah <laughs> rather than like no did that person want that like no like were they able to say yes or no like yeah. no like that you can't separate that from who this person is and mm-hmm. and engaging that with this person mm-hmm. so like we've separated it rather than saying i acknowledge that you are a full person that includes your sexuality my sexuality in two single christian people acknowledging like well maybe we're slightly attracted to each other but maybe not or like you know just like just being honest like but if you have to shut that down like you can't you're shutting that down and you can't be honest about it and then yeah that does create a separation Mm -hmm. and a a disconnect yeah and I think this is something we also talked about before, but, you know, this idea of shutting down and especially for Christian men where it's like, it seems like they don't pick up on cues, like social or sexual. And uh, like, now is the time where I will kiss you or something like that. (laughs) Or it's like, well, no, no, that was not the time. Yeah. But but the idea that maybe if the idea like the Christian thing to do is to shut down your sexuality when you engage with women because you want to be respectful, you don't want to objectify them in that way. Like you're my sister in Christ, so you shut shut that down, and then you yeah. and then you don't have you have no clue what you're doing. Like yeah. you don't know how to flirt, you don't know how to ask someone out, you don't know how to um, make a move on someone, or yeah. or ask them if they want to kiss you or something. Like, and so maybe that's part of it, or that's what yeah. Because yeah, when you shut something down, it's like sometimes you shut a lot of other things down. Yeah, at the same like time. I from my own experience, like I didn't know like if I wanted to be kissed, you shut that down. No, 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 I can't. I'm not trying to do. I don't. Yeah. I don't want. I don't want anything. What are you looking at me? Stop looking at me. Right. Like this. Oh, uh, wait. Maybe I am feeling. I don't know. Now I'm confused. I'm really, really confused. Yeah. Yeah. Shutting that down so you don't know. You don't know what you want. You don't know how to pursue those things. Yeah. Maybe you're operating on different cues than like internal maybe maybe you only have internal cues so you're not aware of the situation or you don't have any sense of like what the other person might be yeah thinking or feeling or you're operating on cues from movies romantic <laughs> comedies that you've seen or just 
well, this is what happened. He just like grabbed her and went in for the kiss. And it was super romantic, but it doesn't have any like connection to reality. Right. And so there's no education or knowledge of like what to do or like experience that might help. I'm just... I'm just throwing stuff out there. Yeah, I don't even know. I'm just throwing it out there. (laughs) No, (laughs) who knows? (laughs) I think I think that's true. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) you're right. Yep, it makes sense. (laughs) It totally makes sense. I guess we could get a guy in here and just ask him, (laughs) "What's your deal, man?" But um, yeah, I mean, I I think about that and why are why do people act the way they do? Where it's like, yeah, because for me, it's really hard to come from that perspective. Like you were saying earlier, it's like. The, the thought of kissing someone who doesn't want to be kissed is like horrifying to me where it's like, why, why? Like, I, would, I would be horrified yeah. to do that. But yet I feel like men are sometimes conditioned, like you need to be aggressive. You need to make the first move. You're right. not a man if you're not doing something about it. You're, yeah. And you got to pursue her. You gotta... Yeah. I mean, I didn't get that conditioning. Yeah. And so that's probably why I, I don't... <laughs> hopefully violate other people's boundaries yeah but um why is that and how do you change it yeah i don't know do you i mean have any ideas i know you're working with an organization that educates people about consent yeah i've just started uh working with more than no and they are an anti-rape campaign aimed at championing consent culture through artistic activism. So they're all about consent and educating people on what consent is, how to read people's visual, verbal cues. It has to be freely given, not under the influence of alcohol or drugs, and very clear, clearly a yes. Mm -hmm. Not just the absence of a no, but clearly enthusiastic and yes, and that, and that takes training, I suppose, or just even if you've never thought about it before or you've never paid attention, you have to educate yourself or, or find information or start practicing paying attention, mm-hmm. listening, watching, looking for these clues. It's not necessarily something that is taught, and I think that's why... Like more than no is out there, and there's so many organizations, great organizations, uh, that are out there to educate. So another great organization is called Rain. It's the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, and they are there for consent education. If you have any questions about any type of interaction that you've had, you can call and talk to them about that. I mean, it's interesting that we're talking about consent, I guess, because of, like, stories in the news recently, mm-hmm. uh, particularly the Stanford rape or sexual yeah. assault. And, you know, I've been reading about it, and mm-hmm. one of the things actually that struck me was, like, I read some of the court documents that are kind of describing, like, his behavior before the assault. Mm-hmm. And I think what was striking to me was, like, how much... Like, I knew that guy. Hmm. Like, I knew, I, I instantly pictured him, and I instantly was like, what was his name? You know, and I had an experience with him at a, I guess, like a college party, you know, mm-hmm. and and I guess just, like, how common that is. Like, the yeah. guy that's that's borderline rapey and is 
pretty much like sexually assaulting people. And by that, I mean like any unwanted yeah. physical sexual contact. It's just sort of like, oh, that's just college. That's just, yeah. he's just being a college dude, you know, yeah. he's just being a guy. He's just, he's drunk, you know, he's drinking. He's, he's really a good guy or he's like a frat brother, whatever. And, yeah. and I think that's what was so striking to me is like how common that is and how, mm-hmm. how often women are taught to like laugh it off. Yeah. Like, oh, stop, you know, stop touching me, you know, and that was kind of chilling. Yeah. I'm not saying, like, every person like that goes on to, like, actually rape someone. Right. But it is. It's, like, so common, and I think it's, the thing is, it's, like, it's not a, it's not a totally different type of behavior. Yeah. It's not like, oh, he was, like, this polite gentleman, and then he suddenly, <laughs> like, started right. raping right. someone. It's, like, it's a spectrum, and, a, and right. obviously, like, one end of the spectrum is less extreme than rape or sexual assault, but it's... Right. It's the same spectrum. Right. Like if you're groping someone, if you're grabbing someone and kissing them against their will, it's the same exact yeah. spectrum as rape. Right. And I think right. that people, I feel like people should talk about that more. Yeah. And I think that's where the consent culture came from, was realizing that it's not like there's this big line in between rape and like everything else. It's if you aren't consenting to anything, touching, kissing, you know, if, if you're not allowing consent or you're looking for it. forcing someone. Yes. Then rape is on that, like you said, spectrum. That is a potential outcome. So what consent culture is trying to do is educating people on this is how you don't even get close <laughs> to that. Being mindful and being respectful is what keeps you from from there. So, like, I mean, that starts even as little kids. And I've also been reading up on, there's a lot out there with the Stanford rape. But shortly after, I, a friend posted a, an article about how to teach kids consent from a, a young age, having nothing to do with sex. Just not forcing kids to hug someone else if they don't want to various things like that it starts with things that have nothing to do with sex we have to expect people to give a level of respect and we can't just say well he's being a boy like you know he's just being rough aggressive you know he's drunk whatever like that that isn't okay you have to change the expectation to change the culture that respect and consent is mandatory it's not an option it's not oh whatever like but he's really nice to me (laughs) or he's you know my son's such a good son you know because he's under your authority or you know the context of your relationship does not negate what he's doing outside of that relationship Yet, consent goes across the board, and that's that's something that we do need to talk about and expect. The one thing that you said last time we talked was that consent or is more important than purity, and that respect yeah. is more important than purity. In and my I, opinion. And I thought that was, oh, in your opinion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, you know, I was brought up with, I mean, definitely in the Christian culture is this, ideal of purity and you know save yourself for marriage and and I think that as I 
look back on my life and my experience that I wish that the emphasis had been more on consent than on purity. And I mean, to be honest, like purity, the, the ideal of purity probably kept me from some really bad sexual experiences. But at the same point, like consent would have also done that. And it would have taught me to listen to myself more and listen to my own wants and desires and and consent really goes along with like going back to love your neighbor as yourself and that I mean that is the the ultimate and what I I believe is the foundation of how we should act as Christians and that when purity is held above that there's a like so many things that can go wrong in those scenarios mm-hmm. in in how you see that play out mm-hmm. I mean just for one it, it puts the emphasis purity puts the emphasis on more so on women than on men this idea of saving yourself for marriage and what if you quote-unquote mess up which I don't believe is a mess up but um you have sex once what you're defiled for the rest of you I mean that's kind of the idea like yeah and and it's inherent in the concept and like the very concept yeah that you can't go back and then you know then there's this whole like I got my second virginity or I don't know how that works but anyway (laughs) like that like it's it's just so messed up but then also what if that purity is taken away not by your choice and what do you do then? And no, like nobody really deals with that or answers that. And and how do you talk to a victim of rape who's been taught their whole life that like they're pure and then they're not pure? Like that's disgusting to me. Mm-hmm. So I think if if the emphasis was more on consent, then it could be the shame or guilt would be clearer. Mm-hmm the idea of what you want or don't want is clearer and there's I mean there's less shame and guilt there's more accepting of of who you are and who you want to be and you can move forward Mm -hmm. better in that rather than like purity is is so black and white in the idea of it but is so messy in the practical application and it's all focused on before this one event and then after that there's nothing <laughs> like there's, there's no talk about I mean like speak of like say there's the person who saved their self for marriage saved themselves for marriage and then you know they get to marriage but then they're like nobody talks about after that like after you're You've lost your virginity. I kind of had this like funny feeling like once I was married and I knew I was like, well, you know, it's not like I'm not pure anymore because I'm married. But then it was this weird like, well, I'm not a virgin anymore. And like, what? Almost like I'd like I should feel bad about that, but I shouldn't. Like, it's a confusing thing. Like, it's. Why why do we focus so much on that? Don't do until you do and then it's like, well, there you go. Like figure it out. <laughs> Have fun, um, kids. Yeah. 
<laughs> and like we've said, like consent is so important in marriage. I think yeah. it's so important and it's not something that we talk about, especially mm-hmm. in a Christian church. Yeah. Um, whereas purity is just like up until that point, like we need something that we can talk about throughout, throughout yeah. on, on all levels, mm-hmm. sex or not. Yeah. I think that's a really good summation of (laughs) consent and this in this conversation. Yeah, before we run out out of time, I was hoping you could talk about like just a little bit like your projects and stuff you're working on. I just released a short film on the subject of consent. It's called "Was It Rape Then?" The story follows four women through their fight against sexual assault. But what's unique about it is that when they speak, they use Shakespeare's words. Recontextualized excerpts from Shakespeare's plays woven together to form a new story, hence fractured Shakespeare. You can find Was It Rape Then on Vimeo by searching the title or the hashtag. You can also go to my website, carissajadams.com, spelled C-H-A-R-I-S-S-A-J-A-D-A-M-S for more information about Fractured Shakespeare and what else I'm up to. Oh, well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. coming and being my very first guest. <gasps> Yay! Yeah, tune in next time for yet another podcast about consent, since apparently this is the, the track that we're yeah. on. Um, anyway, Talk thanks. Talk about it. Yeah, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. Yeah. Yeah.